From the ruins of Colonel Kurtz's compound, it's the IGN Digigods. Please welcome two errand boys sent by grocery store clerks to collect a bill, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh, what a refreshing new year it is. Who sent that in, Corey? I love the smell of Alexander Berlika in the morning. Yes, thank you, Alexander. Shout out to Belarus. Hope it's not too cold over there. Um, Hello, Wade. Hi, Mark. How Happy we, New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. How, how did you spend the last two weeks? Surfing, snowboarding, skydiving? What'd you do? Eating. Thank you. What else do I do? <laughs> I eat. And you have given me a New Year's cookie. Is I that did. what I, I'm supposed I, to eat here? Yes, real quickly. I'm going to uh, uh, make you eat a New Year's cookie that I made from the um, Bouchon cookbook. Oh, really? From the Bouchon cookbook? Oh, you don't know nice. what that is, do you? I, I do. do you, uh-huh. no, you don't. Uh-huh. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, you're being smart. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so here's the thing, folks. You know, it's uh, it's January, February, which means that... Um, Very nice. Thank you for the calories. <laughs> I know. Um, January, February means you should be watching more DVDs because the movies stink mm-hmm. until around, I don't know... April these April. days. Mm-hmm. So, really, we are providing a service... A valuable service, mm-hmm. an important service, mm-hmm. that we need to help you kill time until the April Memorial Day films come out. Mm-hmm. That is why we are here. Then we will supplement that service with window cleaning. We, no, you will supplement mm-hmm. that service with window cleaning. I will not. Very good. But, uh, yeah, so listen, it's the uh, first of the year, and Happy New Year to everyone. Happy and, New Year uh, to everybody. Oh, and please, it's that time again. We are soliciting new intros. What? Yes, yes. So, you know the drill. Everybody should know by now the the format for the intros. So, go ahead and just uh, submit your cool new show intros to us. We're going to be recording those in about two months' time. Um, Two months seems like a long time, but I know it's like hurting hurting cats. It goes by quickly. Getting all these uh, intros. So, you know, we're going to give you two months to be creative. You don't have to start getting them in immediately. But um, go ahead, send them to us. And, you know... Send them to us as you come up with them. At and gods please, at digigods.com. Gods at digigods.com. Email them to us at gods at digigods.com. And please include your name as you want it to be announced as the author of the uh, of the uh, the intro. And also, if you've got anything to plug, seriously, we have no shame. We, we really don't. If you have a website to plug, if you've got a book to plug, if you've got uh, a blog to plug, anything of the sort, by all means, go ahead and send that in. And um, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll feature it. We'll feature it. That's what and don't do. forget, you know, the format is, now you can uh, figure the format out simply yeah. by listening to the show, but, because sometimes we get people who, like, have listened to, like, 500 of these and then send something in that is not the format of the open. Yes. So it's basically, from the blankety-blank location, it's the IGN Digigods, now please welcome, insulting comment about Wade or Mark, or yes. movie reference, Wade and Mark. Yes. That is it. Yes, that's from it. From the blankety-blank, it's the Digigods. Now please welcome, joke. Mark and Wade. You know, make Mark, sure it's Mark and Wade. You're not going to start the New you Year's. Could, you could, oh, yeah, actually, okay. I can no, make no. A, I can make a. a, a you a, just made me eat a cookie. You made true. me eat a cookie. Now I, here's the thing. Now my New Year's resolution, <laughs> as usual, is, is is my New Year's resolution, as usual, is to lose what I call the Christmas five. Yes. Now the Christmas five is the five pounds that you uh, yeah you gain during Christmas time. So I'm now trying to lose the Christmas five. Good. So that's in why, the spirit of that. In the spirit of that, I'm going to give you. Brooke Burke body sexy abs and Brooke Burke body 30 day slim down so that you can get those awesome abs and your cardio burn tone and sculpt and uh, and rock it out. The one has three 20 minute ab workouts and the other one has two fat burning 30 minute workouts. Oh my for God, Ray, that's incredible. Isn't that great? And um, I just know that that's the kind of body you want to have, isn't it? Uh, I, I want to have it, but not in the way you're, uh, <laughs> you're, uh. On the way you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, I always get Brooke Burke confused with the one that you worked with. Uh, Brooke Burns. That's right. Now, Brooke Burns has kind of disappeared. I don't know what happened to her. Yeah, well, it's because she doesn't make workout videos. She doesn't, although she should. Well, she uh, she was on the show, and then she uh, uh, she dated Bruce Willis for a while. Oh, did she really? Oh, yeah. Who did Brooke Burke uh, date? Uh, Brooke Burke is married to uh, somebody famous. Um, the, by the way, Brooke Burke uh, um, has uh, or had thyroid cancer. Did she really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And in fact, it was kind of a big deal a couple weeks ago, or whatever, when she uh, she kind of like walks around without covering her thyroid cancer surgery scar. You can't see it on the box of the DVD, Wade. 
No, no, I'm not. I'm looking at her navel on the DVD, and I'm just remembering how they went to such great lengths to cover up um, Barbara Eden's navel on I Dream of Jeannie every week. That is bizarre. And, you know, those of us who were, I don't know, you know, six, seven years old at the time, we, we just found that to be a real tease. And now we just we just you found her sexy Barbara Eden and oh my Eugenie? gosh are you kidding me I did not at all are you serious not even not in the least I, I watched that show like oh it's a genie you didn't think I wish I, I had a genie like that well not not for purient reasons no but I mean you know but in terms of like that's a sexy woman not in a million years I would tell you I don't care wow not a years. okay she was we, like oh it's a genie we we are totally different I don't even know why I'm doing this show with you you seriously thought she was like sexy. Oh my gosh! I mean, I'm not saying she wasn't a pretty woman, but I, I did not look at her as a sex object. I'm her like a genie. My heterosexuality runneth over. Are you kidding me? Interesting. I was like prepubescent at the time, and I knew. Didn't I? Couldn't care less. Oh, jeez. Wow. Anyway, we'll go out and get yourself some uh, Brooke Burke to uh, slim down after all that New Year's and holiday eating. Um, they actually are really good. The, the, the workouts are very good, the, uh, especially the cardio one, but it's, it's 30 minutes of brutality. It's, it's, it's not as fun as, as it looks like, Wee, put on your uh, yoga pants and come and do this, uh, you know, what's the yoga pants company? Wait, shut up. Okay. All right. Um, you know what, Mark? Yes. Let's jump right into the, into the movie scene. Oh, no, I think we should talk about more workout videos that no one will ever buy or rent. Let's do that, Wade. It's, 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 good, it's good call. I'm the TV producer, Wade, I'm telling you. Let's talk about movie. Arthur Christmas in 3D. Oh, crap, Christmas is over. Are you really about to talk about that? <laughs> I was going to. Well, it came late. And you know what? I, I mean, I didn't want to make mention of it. it. Go ahead and pick it up, I guess, cheap on a Best Buy fire sale or something. Because it's, uh, what are you eating? This is yogurt. What kind of, oh, it's that sheep milk yogurt from Whole Foods. You know, okay. Aren't here, you? Aren't you? L.A. Okay. No. No. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I go to Whole Foods, and I want to buy yogurt because I don't. I, can't you know, I, I, I even know that. I I, I eat. You some, get. You realize there's through. nowhere else you can get that. Is that right? Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's Whole that. Foods exclusive. So um, I go to Whole Foods and I want to get some yogurt. I'm, I'm eating so poorly at home because I just bake and that's all I ever do. And then I just eat yeah. what I bake and I get fat. And so I decided to buy yogurt, which I like. I like yogurt. And so. Um, I get this uh, sheep's milk yogurt. Now, I have no idea. Sheep's milk, for all I know, is going to wind up causing cancer, and then uh, that, that'll be it. But for now, it tastes good. But I, I don't really look at what things cost at the supermarket when I buy them. I just buy them. And so yesterday, I go to Whole Foods. I buy some of this uh, sheep's uh, milk uh, uh, stuff. And this little thing, which is like yeah. like six ounces, <laughs> yeah. it's $2.49. Uh-huh. It's $2.49 for, for like you – can go to, you can go to the supermarket Yoplait for 99 cents. Yes. This is two forty nine for sheep's milk. I only yogurts. get I get Yoplait for fifty cents. I wait for the coupon. Well, that's because you're seriously just because it offends me to spend more than that for one of those. Little this thing is two dollars and fifty cents. Mm-hmm. Now it tastes good. I like it, and See, and, and I kind of don't. Hey, here's, here's the thing. It's net. It's like it's not that I don't have two dollars and fifty cents. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I do. It's like perceived value. It's like yes. is this worth? Like I have fifty dollars. I wouldn't buy a Snickers for fifty dollars. I, I I come from the uh, I come from an era when I lived in France, and you could go to, or even Switzerland, you could go to the market and you could pick up essentially a giant vat, like a sixteen or thirty-two ounce. I forget. I don't even know the difference. Uh, whatever the big jug is, the big jug size, you could get that for approximately a buck. So I'm just grossly offended at uh, overpriced yogurt. I I I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. Anyway, Bellwether Farms, it's good stuff. I'll, I'll tell you that. It is? It is good. Yeah. All right. So go ahead, slurp it up. No, but if you, anyway, uh, we missed this Christmas time. It didn't come in time. But they, they did a new Blu-ray 3D, uh, Blu-ray DVD combo of Arthur Christmas. Uh, I can't endorse the 3D, obviously. But, uh, the you know, this is, if you if you don't have this, it is a fun film to have around at Christmas time. I really think it's one of the few animated Christmas movies. Um, boy, that, that legend of the Guardians really stank it up, didn't it? Which one? Legend of the Guardians. Rise of the Guardians. No, Rise um, of the Guardians. Whatever it was, nobody went to see that. Who cares? Wow, what's well, it? <clears throat> it's a Christmas themed thing, you know. Well, but no, it's like it's it's, it's Santa know, Claus it's a, and the Tooth it's like Fairy the, the, it's, and all of them. Yeah, it's like the Justice League of holiday <laughs> the holiday the fairies. Of, exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Arthur Christmas in 3D out there if you want that. And um, a couple of others here that are from Milestone that I should give a mention to. Uh, Milestone just 
gave us this gigantic gift. And if you're an old movie fan, if you're a silent movie fan, you're just going to flip out at this. Uh, the first one, which I will lead in with, is Cut to the Chase, the Charlie Chase collection. And, you know, if you're not familiar with Charlie Chase, you should be. Because everybody always focuses on Charles Chaplin, Buster Keaton, and on, on a slight... Harold and Harold Lloyd in a slightly lower tier. And then there's all these other guys... Who were amazing silent comics, but they're so overshadowed by the by the giants that nobody ever pays attention to them. And one of them is Charlie Chase, who is genuinely incredibly funny. And uh, this is two discs, uh, some amazing shorts here, and all beautifully put together by Milestone and distributed by Oscilloscope. Uh, Milestone, they're such good people. They do such good work, and it's all a labor of love for them. It really is. These all come from the uh, Harold Castleton uh, Library of Congress and Museum of Modern Art Collections, uh, also the Stanford Theater Foundation. And this was all stuff that was made in the early 20s, about 1924 to 1926. You get April Fool, The Frady Cat, Isn't Life Terrible, What Price Goofy, Be Your Age, a whole bunch of just great shorts. And it, the um, you know this was all done for um, uh, Hal Roach at the time, and uh, some of these were directed by uh, Leo McCary, believe it or not. So you really uh, you really get a, a big wonderful slice of uh, film history here. And uh, I, I, Charlie Chase, just a completely different kind of silent comedy, but just as timeless in many respects, and uh, really definitely worth checking out. And then here's the real gem from um, <clears throat> from Milestone. This is on Blu-ray. Uh, Rags and Riches, the Mary Pickford Collection. This is a Blu-ray collection that includes Poor Little Rich Girl, The Hoodlum, Sparrows, and Ramona. Um, Mary Pickford, you should know as well, because Mary Pickford changed the movie business, uh, not just for women, but in general. She created an entire type of film, the, uh, you know, the um, sort of the Depression era and pre-Depression era little urchin Right, who uh, just you know we we empathize with her. She's poor. She's from these lowly backgrounds, and she somehow just made the movies reach down to the common person who was paying you know a few cents to go and see the the flickers on a Friday and a Saturday night. And, uh, and she co she co started uh, Universal uh, United Artists, co founder of United Artists, and uh, really people forget how prominent women were in the silent era. I mean, there were women directing movies and writing them and producing them. Uh, almost more so than now, really. We've taken a step backwards. And um, these are just amazing films. Uh, 1917, 1919, 1926, all really, really good stuff. Um, 1910 for Ramona. Uh, you gotta, you got to get this. You just have to have this. This is film history, and the transfers are just gorgeous. Uh, Mary Pickford and Blu-ray, it's gonna, it looks like film. It looks how it was meant to be seen. So a lot of great bonus features here as well. Really just wonderful for the, uh, the whole family. Introduce your kids to the glories of Mary Pickford and teach them what movies used to be and what they hopefully can be again. Aw, yeah. Wade. Never happened. Yeah, maybe. Sorry, Wade. Uh, you know, Wade, uh, it's a bad time to come out with a league of their own on Blu-ray because it's not baseball season. I know. It's not just bizarre. Yeah. But uh, this is a terrific film and uh, one that um, co-stars Madonna. I love this movie. I, st- I think this is. I don't know why why uh, Penny Marshall can't get her directing career set up again because this is really a wonderful movie. Tom Hanks is great, and and Penny Marshall just nails the direction, the way the games are put together, and the music, and the montages, and the period recreation. It's wonderful. It's well, a you wonderful know, movie. well, the reason it's coming out now is because it's the twentieth anniversary. Now it stars Tom Hanks as a uh, women's uh, baseball. I mean, what was it called? It was called the uh, All American Girls Professional Baseball League. Yeah. Which, by the way, was a real league. I mean, you know, it, uh, it was a real thing. There really was a, a women's league started by, uh, actually, you know, it started by um, Philip Wrigley, the chewing gum guy. Wrigley was Field it, guy. It, that, that's right. That's right. Oh, Philip wow. K. Wrigley was the one who did it, started it up. And, uh, yeah, so it's good. And as you know, there's no crying in baseball. But you know what? It's very energetic. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's, um, it was written by Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. And they were one of the go-to writers of comedies in the 80s and early 90s. So it's definitely got a it's got a really fun, fresh approach, and uh, Penny Marshall nails it, kind of like she nailed it a lot of times during that era. And then, as Wade says, sort of fell off the earth. But um, it's entertaining, it's sweet, it's fun stuff. There's a lot of special features, commentary, and a cast commentary, including uh, Penny Marshall, Laurie Petty, and Tracy Reiner. Deleted scenes and uh, documentary, and you know, even a Madonna music video from from back in the day. A league of their own. If you love baseball, it's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mark, I got a uh, I got a bone to pick here. Uh, dread. 
I don't know why this movie was made. I don't. Uh, the, 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 okay, for starters, here's the thing. Did Judge Dredd really need to be remade? I mean, was the comic book really so poorly served by the Stallone film that we needed to revisit this and ramp this thing yes, up? Into be, the, why, yes, you know why? Why? Because it's a graphic novel. Somewhere down, somewhere down the line, it was a graphic novel. And, and now, by law, if you're a graphic novel, you have to be made into a film. There really is uh, there's no choice. Yeah, all right, whatever. Here's the problem. Remember the raid, that Indonesian movie, where they kind of they, they lay siege to a building and there's a drug dealer inside mm-hmm. and the whole thing? That's what this is. It's, a, it's just a blatant, blatant ripoff of the Indonesian movie, The Raid, and it's not done as well. Um, I know Alex Garland wrote it, and we love I Alex I had very high hopes for it. I had high it hopes just... for it. Alex Garland, talented guy, writes for Danny Boyle. Yeah. Well, the anyway. guy who shot it shot... Um, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, this thing was. I I just don't think it's a good movie in any way whatsoever. It, uh, you know, new guy playing Judge Dredd. He's, yeah, he talks, does the usual thing, and I'm tough, and you never see my eyes because I got this helmet on. Whatever. Um, I, you know what? I have to say, Carl Urban. He's he's. I don't I don't get it. He's very affected to me. He's he 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 he's. I see him acting. What what else Bo- has he with, done? With, with, well, he plays Bones in uh, the Star Trek movie. And, oh, that's right. Um, I, I just feel like I always feel that guy's trying. Yeah, he does. He doesn't feel like an effortless actor to me. Yeah. Well, anyway. And here he's like he's got the full scowl. Yeah. I have judged me. I I just I can't get with it. Uh, it it the, and Olivia Thurlby as his partner. You know, we always have to have the uh, the woman right, the woman partner now. Ever since RoboCop, right? Right. That's that's Nancy the thing Allen. now. Ever since Nancy Allen and RoboCop, that's the thing. We always got to have the really big, tough guy. He's got to have like the the woman who wants to be tough, and you you're not tough enough. Well, and, because there is no way oh, that any, there's no way that any girl below the age of of ninety seven will ever see this movie. No. So if they put in Olivia Thirlby, who's as close as they can get to a yeah. young it girl. Yeah, the only thing I kind of like about this is is Lena Headey because she plays Mama, right? The uh, the prostitute with the scarred uh, face turned. Horrible drug dealer. She's the villain in this thing, you know, tattooed and, and just ruthless and, and and all that. Yeah, I, you know, she's kind of been on a downhill slide ever since 300 when she played Zeus's wife or whatever it was. She did in that. But it's, um, you know, you got a bunch of extras here. It's all just oriented toward behind-the-scenes stuff and the special effects. And, and there's even a thing on 3D, even on the one that's not 3D, which is uh, what we have here, the Blu-ray digital copy ultraviolet combo. Um, and then uh, you got the, you know, there's also the 3D version of it. Um, not great 3D, I gotta say. There's a couple of moments where the uh, the whole drug thing is is well exploited for 3D, like really gives you dimensionality, like blow smoke right into the camera. It's old school horror film 3D effect, but very few and far between moments like that. Anyway, um, yeah, I just can't get with this movie. It's it's Judge Dredd is supposed to be a bigger story. It's supposed to be more than just yet another. High-powered, high special effects remake of uh, you know one of these tower siege movies, which have been just, going on from ever since Game of Death with Bruce Lee. Just watch. Wait another twenty-five years old. There'll be another one. Yeah, I guess exactly. Uh, we have two movies, two Blu-rays uh, starring uh, it. It boys. There's it girls. Wait, are there it boys? There really are not. Yeah. Uh, this is called the words. And the words was supposedly going to be uh, Bradley Cooper's uh, big foray into dramatic. Uh, acting, yeah. Uh, well, and of course, it's it, it, blurbed it, it, on the uh, cover by none other than <laughs> oh my from gosh. Box Office Magazine. Oh my gosh! Anyway, um, in in the words of uh, our, our good friend Ray Green, who was such a great writer, and he uh, he he he, he his quote about it was Ray something hated like this. His, his quote about it was something like, "It's a movie for people who who buy their novels at Starbucks." Yeah, and Ray and Ray, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me. Ray, by the way, wrote the box office review. Yes, not Pete. Which yet, is yes. Yet Pete is blurbed. How, how does that happen? Uh, well, somebody should investigate. <laughs> they should have blurbed Ray. <laughs> this is a movie for, about people who buy their uh, their buy their books at Starbucks. I mean, the way it probably happened was they probably called Pete up and asked him for a quote and an attribution. And that's Pete, the way it happened. And Pete said, "I can't do that. That's that's against my morals and scruples. Box office has already reviewed this. There's nothing I can do." Yeah. Or instead, he said, "Don't miss it." He said yeah. that instead. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, this movie is sort of too complicated and uh, uh, by half. It, the thing is that Dennis Quaid plays this famous author who's reading from his new book. And the book is a story about an author who finds an unpublished manuscript right, while he's you on know, his honeymoon in Europe. And then he pretends like the manuscript is his. 
which, by the way, was done much better in Bobcat Goldthwait's um, uh, <laughs> uh, World's Greatest Dad. Right? Remember that? Yeah. That was awesome. And, uh, you know, I just think this thing is just it's, – it, it's kind of like just really pedestrian that thinks it's being insightful. And I just think this movie was a total, complete washout. I, I have to say, I think that um, it's I, – I respect the fact that the guys who wrote Tron Legacy were trying to do something more artistic. Um, I respect that they're going in a different direction. I respect what they tried to do. I just don't think they pulled it off. I think it, it in many respects – I know this movie was re-edited. I know that there were you know distributor-ordered changes and so forth. And um, – all of that in mind, I, it just it feels like they're they're handling it a little too preciously. You know, if you're going to go walk the tightrope, you got to run across that thing. You got to just really, really throw caution to the wind. If you're just going to go for it, go for it. But they, you almost feel like they're they're torn between their safe commercial sensibilities and their desire to be artistic, and it it mean it results in a in a kind of compromised film. But uh, that said, by the way, they just broke up. I, you know, I heard about I yeah. I work at E Entertainment Television. That's Believe right. me, I heard about that. Although I I do the best I can to ignore all such emails. Yeah, anyway. anyway, we have one more the the other uh, it movie, the it boy movie, is uh, Cosmopolis. Boy, and this you, just nothing happened to this award season. Huh? A Cronenberg film, you would expect. Oh my gosh, yeah, Cronenberg. Oh, it'll be no, like in the know, mix. Well, it's just it just okay. went nowhere. Well, this because nobody could wrap their head around this. This thing. Here's the thing. Uh, what's his name? Rob Pattinson was coming out with, the, with Twilight 7, whatever it was, the last one, the second to last one. Who the hell knows anymore? And um, at the same time, they brought out Cosmopolis figuring that, hey, if they can get a sliver, 0.0001% of, of Twilight fans to go see a, a Rob Pattinson anything, they'll have a hit. And I am telling you. Any any young girls, you know, mm. figure that, that that they'll see their dreamy their dreamboat Rob Pattinson. Any young girls who walked into this film when they walked out, yeah. their hair was probably frizzed out, their <laughs> eyes were bleeding. They had no idea what they just saw, no idea. Because this is like a David Cronenberg film. It's sort of like what we were saying before the show. St- remember, b- 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 before the show started, remember I was talking about how when you want when you're young. <laughs> you laugh. It's too, it's too true. Yeah. <laughs> when you're young, and you want to see a movie, you look mm-hmm. to see who it stars. Yeah. We were just saying this like ten yeah, minutes we ago about something else before the show. Yeah. But when you get older, you realize that the true vision behind the movie is always the director. Yes. So if you went into this thinking, oh, let's see a Rob Pattinson film. No, no. What you're really seeing is a David Cronenberg <laughs> film, and that's a whole other thing. You know, uh, it's true. And so, and you know what? I, I, this movie, it is, it is very typically, it is super Cronenberg. It is just, it is just precision tooled for complete mm-hmm. confusion. And yet, somehow, you know that Cronenberg knows exactly what's going on, even if you don't. And the movie takes place in some sort of, some sort of like not too distant future. And Pattinson, who, as a very cold actor, I find is actually kind of perfect for this role. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays this like this this incredible wizard of Wall Street who's like a quadrillionaire, and he sits in his in his in his plush limousine all day and night and just tools around the city and uh, gets in all sorts of trouble. That's all I'll say because it, it's it's a Cronenberg film and it's just it's just wild. And you know, obviously, it's a very claustrophobic story. It's a very slow moving story. Uh, as he sinks deeper and deeper and you start to wonder whether he's going to survive to see the end of the movie, uh, it's sort of like, you know, it goes back and forth between like very profound and yet just very tiresome and almost absurd. But that's sort of the tightrope that uh, uh, Cronenberg always, you know, always w- walks on. And there's some great supporting roles in this. And, uh, you know, it's definitely worth a shot if you like Cronenberg and you want to see something totally different and almost indecipherable. Um it's Cosmopolis. Now, it's a uh, the DVD contains a commentary with Cronenberg where he does shed some light as to what he was thinking uh, in making this film. And uh, there's interviews with the cast and crew. And uh, Julia Pinoche is in it. And uh, Jay uh, Baruchel, the kid who did the uh, voice for How to Train Your Dragon, mm-hmm. he's in it. Samantha Morton's very good in it. Paul Giamatti shows up at the end. He's great. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Cosmopolis. If you, if you love Rob Pattinson because you think he's dreamy and handsome, <laughs> go ahead and rent it. But you know what? It'll, you've, it'll, been, it'll, you've been warned. It'll, 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 it'll consider it your very first drug trip. <laughs> That's awesome.
All right, and we've got some uh, Severin titles here. Severin, of course, releases uh, primarily cult films, exploitation films, uh, anything that uh, has a real uh, following and a history and notoriety, sometimes scandal behind it. And we got a couple of really, really good ones from Severin here. The first one is The Wild Geese from 1978. And the one thing that you see in both of these films is that um, there's a certain level of film, a certain kind of film that aging stars will flock to when they're no longer major draws, when they're not getting the offers from the studios anymore, when the big projects aren't coming their way, when the big offers aren't flowing. They, they knock it down a level, and they'll, they'll slum it. They'll do something that's cheesy and exploitative and, and a little bit, uh, a little bit oh, um, that lacks a certain credibility, lacks a certain dignity. They'll throw their, uh, their, their fame to the wind. But only so much. It's still got to be a little bit high profile, a little bit high concept. The Wild Geese stars Richard Burton, Roger Moore, Richard Harris, and Hardy Krueger, made in 1978. And you think that, well, wow, Richard Burton, Roger Moore, Richard Harris, Hardy Krueger, a movie called The Wild Geese? That sounds like a war movie. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, they're basically mercenaries. They're basically the Dirty Dozen, and they've uh, they've got to they've got to drop into uh, this African uh, banana republic and um, take the former president out of the uh, the the stockhold the stockade where he's being held. Um, it's a you know it's a rescue movie. It's a it's a basically it's it's the the, the friggin' Chuck Norris thing. Um, uh, Star Wars? The, the canon, no, the, the canon films. What were those things? Oh, like um, uh, Omega Force. Yeah, the Omega Force. Yeah, it was one of those. This is, that's basically what this is. It's a, it's, a, it's an Omega Force movie. Um, anyway, it, uh, it's directed by Andrew V. McLaughlin, who was kind of a you know a really good studio workman like guy back in the '60s, and by the '70s, he's he's just looking for anything where he can show that he can still direct something that sort sort of vaguely re- uh, resembles a western. But uh, you know what? It's it's for an exploitation film of the '70s. It's decent action, and uh, it's always fun to watch those actors, even if Roger Moore can't act his way out of a paper bag in anything that he does. The other film, this is a really, this is great. These are both Blu-ray DVD combos, by the way, so uh, if you want to, you know, that way you get to watch them in the, on the Blu-ray player, and then you get to play them for your kids in the car. And uh, the DVD is especially good to play for the kids in the car with Ashanti, because this is all about white slave trading. And black slave trading and, and uh, brown slave trading and pretty much any slave trading that Peter Ustinov wants to in, engage in. Um, now, do they rush this out on the heels of uh, Django? Well, there you go. You just uh, beat me to the punch. Yeah, the, uh, Richard Fleischer directed this in 1979. And that was a time when Richard Fleischer was like, you know, I'll direct anything. I'll direct a, an infomercial if you send it my way. I'll, I'll direct a, a public service announcement. He just didn't have much of a directing career by the late 70s. And um, so Richard Fleischer jumped right on top of this and, of course, got himself a cast of Michael Caine, Peter Ustinov, Beverly Johnson, Omar Sharif, William Holden, and Rex Harrison. Rex Harrison. Rex That's Harrison. Ridiculous. Now, keep in mind, there are... Four Academy Award winners in this movie. Michael Caine, Peter Ustinov, Rex Harrison, and William Holden. The latter two won Best Actor. The other two won Best Supporting Actor. I mean, you know, that's, wow, 1979? Is everybody having that hard of a time? Uh, Basically, the idea here is that Michael Caine is part of a U.N. team. Uh, He and his wife, Beverly Johnson, are trying to cure disease in Africa. It's another one of these African things. And uh, Peter Ustinov is just, he's he's this crazy slave trader, and he kidnaps Beverly Johnson. And next thing you know, Michael Caine's got to... uh, Got to join up with everybody else, including William Holden and Rex Harrison and, and Omar Sharif. And they got to go fetch his wife. Um, Omar Sharif is is really not that prominent in the movie, to be honest. Uh, it's it's really more about uh, Rex Harrison and William Holden and Michael Caine doing this little squibbly squabbly thing. Which one of those do you think is the really tough guy? Uh, squibbly. The the, the who, who wants to who's who's just who just says kill them all, burn but, it, blow it all up. Who am I choosing between? Uh, Michael Caine, Rex Harrison, and William Holden. Oh, Rex Harrison all the way, <laughs> My Fair Lady. And My Fair Lady is badass. All right, please stop talking about this movie. Yeah, sure, it's William Holden basically doing his bit, his shtick from uh, Bridge on the River Quad. All right, wait, let's, so, let's, anyway. let's move this along. Uh, you know what? Yeah, no, seriously, there's there's featurettes here. Beverly Johnson, by the way, I, I should say, is interviewed about this film. This had, Ashanti had a really, really um, uh, troubled history, and um, it's uh, it's a big deal. So Ashanti uh, is, is worth checking out, especially for exploitation film fans, and uh, that is on a Blu-ray DVD combo from Severin, as is The Wild Geese. 
Uh, Wade, uh, uh, back in the 21st century, Wade, we have uh, Halo 4 Forward on forward Unto Dawn. Now, yeah. now here's the thing is that uh, there's never been a live-action Halo film. They've been trying to make a live-action Halo film. Uh, and the close we have is this web series that was uh, done uh, earlier this year. It might have been last year. But um, this is sort of a stitching together of those episodes plus a whole new episode. So you're getting definitely some more value here. Uh, Halo Forward Unto Dawn is any good? Obviously, it, uh, you know, because nowadays you can kind of re- you can rent a red camera for $50 a year. You know, so it looks good and, uh, you know, it's well shot and there's all sorts of crazy effects and slow-mo and it's shot in mostly in super close-up to hide the fact they're probably reusing the same sets over and over again. But um, is the story any good? You know, whatever. I, I, I love the Halo video games. Halo, the original Halo is like the only video game I've ever played from beginning to end. Otherwise, I, I'm not that much into video games. I mean, I love them, but... I don't play them from beginning to end, except for Halo. So, look if you if you if you want if you're dreaming of that like you know Guillermo del Toro or you know or or Michael Bay Halo film, this will have to suffice. Forward unto dawn. So uh, you know, frankly, it, you're just as you should be just as happy watching it on on the internet. Totally. The extra uh, episode you're getting is not worth the price of a of a Blu-ray. Beautiful. Uh, Mark, one of the worst remakes of Psycho I have ever seen in my life was House at the End of the Street. Uh, This is the unrated version on Blu-ray and DVD and digital copy combo. Includes two versions of this uh, rip-off worthless movie, unrated and theatrical. So you get to watch it uh, just get worse and worse and worse. Um, Honestly, you don't realize quite immediately that it's a total Psycho rip-off. But then you go, oh, it's a Psycho rip-off. And you immediately know where this movie's going. Uh, Basically, Elizabeth Shue... Is this um, is this mom who's with? You know, she's got a single daughter, and um, they Jennifer Lawrence, who's probably regretting she ever made this movie, plays the daughter. And uh, honestly, by the time the Oscars are over, it may very well be that this movie has two Best Actress winners in it. Do you realize that? The funny thing is, is that they 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 put her face front and center on the box, figuring that and you, you can't know, even can't even tell who it you is. Can't even tell who it is. I know it's Jennifer Lawrence on the cover, so never mind that. But anyway. It's uh, so Elizabeth Shue, and, and they made this like a year and a half ago or something like that, I think. Um, so anyway, they move into this town. They're trying to restart their lives, and there's a creepy house at the end of the street where uh, some little girl like murdered her family or her parents earlier. And now the son, who was away at the time, he's still living in the house. He came back, and of course, as the movie goes on, you're supposed to believe that he. He's keeping his – well, yeah, of course, the girl, really, she got away, right? So she roams the woods and everyone's afraid that, you know, the legend of the, the murderous girl, she's still living in the woods like some kind of feral cat or something. And it uh, turns out, you know, he, the brother presumably keeps her locked up in the basement and she occasionally gets out every once in a while, yada, 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 whatever, whatever. Um, okay, very quickly, you start seeing certain scenes and you realize there are certain hallmarks and you do the math and it's a, it's a freaking psycho remake. And, and there's even a point where, believe it or not, the uh, – the sheriff takes a tumble down some stairs, and I just thought, "Are you kidding me? You, you had to." I mean, that's not even an homage. That's just that's just being bad. So anyway, it's uh, I, I can't recommend this movie on any level whatsoever. It's uh, from 20th Century Fox, who, who really needs to do a much better job of uh, of picking their movies. Well, you gave me this for a reason, didn't you? Sure did. Because you know that suddenly. I do. Starring Frank Sinatra yes. as a man who's going to assassinate the president. Dead-in. You know that this movie, mm-hmm. as many of our listeners know, was directed by my step-grandfather. Yes, it was. This is my stepmother's stepfather. <laughs> it's, it's a good movie. It is a good movie. You know what? Actually, Lewis Allen, uh, my step-grandfather, um, who died in 2000, who was a great guy, a, a, an incredible storyteller. He met with, worked with everybody, tells great stories about like lending uh, Sean Connery 50 bucks to buy his suit for his very first audition and giving uh, Steven Spielberg his very first uh, job in TV as like a gopher for something or something like that. And uh, this is suddenly where Frank Snatcher plays a guy who's, uh, who's going to assassinate the president. It's good stuff. Sterling Hayden's in it. Snatcher's in it, obviously, and, uh, you know, James Leeson's in it, and it's good stuff. Now, Lewis Allen, if you want to uh, check out some more stuff he's done, I'm telling you, man, The Uninvited is considered one of the best um, horror films of the 40s. It was actually remade a couple years ago, which is kind of cool. A Bullet for Joey, he did that. Gotta love that. And uh, he also has a lot of TV credits, you know, good TV credits. The Rifleman, Perry Mason, Bonanza, Little House on the Prairie, Mission Impossible, The Fugitive, you know. So he was uh, Lewis Allen, my step-grandfather. 
was uh, he had a great career. That was a great storyteller. It was totally cool. Uh, so there you go. Suddenly, looks good. The uh, they actually wound. Up, Image did a good job with this film. They actually wound up um, uh, scaring up a new audio commentary by Frank Sinatra Jr., which I'd be curious to. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I think it's cool. Frank Sinatra Jr. is cool. Uh, a new audio commentary by a professor. Uh, this guy Drew Casper at the USC School of Cinematic Arts, and yep. that's cool. Yep. So uh, suddenly, totally worth it. I agree. Because it'll give. It might give my stepmother. A couple bucks, because I have to figure that if sure. with every sale, she'll probably get something. You don't get anything out of that. Though. I get zero. Yeah, uh, I'm going to blow through some catalog titles here, and then we're going to riff off a, uh, a few more uh, new titles, and then we're going to hit up a uh, listener mail. A new year uh, of uh, Vox Box. We got a Vox Box. We've gotten a few over the holiday too. <laughs> oh, no, not yet. Okay. Anyway, uh, so some some old uh, culty classicy titles here. A lot of these have been coming out lately. Blu-ray DVD combo pack of the Island. Come on, Mark. You remember The Island? The Island of Dr. Moreau? This is another Michael Caine spectacular. We've got a lot of these cheesy kind of uh, mid-stage Michael Caine movies. Isn't it funny how Michael's Caine career, is, uh, how his career went? I know. He was uh, Mr. Legit, and then he started to get older and couldn't get any good roles, and he just did crap. It's like that whole Jaws 3D yes, period in there. That's right. When he, you know, it's like, I mean, again, going back to uh, Ashanti and stuff like The Island, just like junk. And then all of a sudden... Like around the the dirty rotten scoundrels period, bam, bam! He's the man again. And now he's got like emeritus status. It's, he's it's, like, it's incredible. He's the best. It's just it tells you how life goes. It's just it's just like that. Anyway, uh, this is um, the island is one of those movies that came out kind of. I mean, it's a, it made in 1980, but it's still in the wake of uh, of Jaws. And it's funny because here they on the on the on the box they cite is Michael Caine the Dark Knight trilogy. Like really, you're 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 piggybacking on the Dark Knight. It's like people are gonna be, gonna go. Oh my gosh, really? The guy from the Dark Knight? He made a movie called The Island. I'll see that. Uh, anyway, no, this is uh, this is all kind of still in the wake of Jaws and at a time when everybody was focusing on the on the uh, the Bermuda Triangle a little bit too much. And uh, this is kind of like a modern day uh, piratey thing. And it takes place in the Caribbean, and not a, it, you know, look, it's not a, it's not a very good movie, but it was written by Peter Benchley, and that somehow because it was an adventure at sea, and it it had a little bit of uh, a little bit of action, and had Peter Benchley, of course, well in the wake of Jaws, we got to do this, we got to make it. Uh, Michael Caine, he used to be somebody, so let's let's do it. Um, and of course, produced by Richard Zanuck and David Brown, who did Jaws, so uh, it did it behave, did it perform like Jaws, not even remotely. Uh, Ennio Morricone does a very lovely score. David Warner shows up and uh, plays the bad guy that he did in almost every movie in the 1980s, from Tron to uh, Time Bandits. But <laughs> remember when David Warner? David Warner was like he was cool. He was cool. He, he was in the Omen. He got his head sliced off in the Omen. <laughs> Hey, he, he, and he did a lot of Star Trek work, too. I know he did. I know he did. Like, like, honestly, today, if you were to do the David Warner story, uh, who would you cast in it? The David Warner story? Yeah. Probably David it? Warner. He's around. He's still around. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Like, who's the David Warner of today? The David Warner of today. Oh, my God. The David Warner of today. There's going to be a whole lot of silence in like the next uh, well, twenty I, seconds. Well, I just thought. I, I just thought. Well, I mean, I was. I was going to. I thought you might come up with. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of like a tall, thin, supporting. Isn't, actor isn't Alan Rick, Isn't Alan Rickman like our David Warner? Or was he the David Warner of the nineties? He was the David Warner of the nineties. Okay, so we don't have one today. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, uh, moving on quickly. Got a couple uh, from Olive here. A couple of old westerns. One with Joel McRae and Veronica Lake. Ramrod by Andre de Toth, who wore an eye patch. Um, and, you know, honestly, there's just no reason <laughs> to think this is anything spectacular. It's a, a pretty straight up, uh, pretty straight up one of those kind of ranch cattleman uh, out on the range. Uh, we got a dispute and, you know, rustler movies. It's just it hits all of those beats. It's exactly what you think it is. Uh, very nicely shot in black and white from 1947. Kind of a classic Andre de Toth uh, odor. And then Norman Panama did The Trap. With Richard Widmark, Lee J. Cobb, Earl Holloman, and... Earl Holloman. Earl Holloman. And Tina Louise in 1959. A Tina Louise who uh, eventually would take uh, Gilligan's Island against her better judgment and uh, never made another movie after that. Yeah, well, you know what? Alec Alec Guinness took Obi-Wan Kenobi against his better judgment, Uh, too. Look at him. Made him rich and famous. Tina Louise really... I mean, she was on a Star Trek, and I think she's really... She resents uh, ever walking away from... uh, 
from this. Anyway, uh, this is, you know what, uh, this is perfectly fine, 1959. It's not brilliant. Norman Panama is a very serviceable director. The cast is good. And uh, this is, it's, you know, let's put it this way. It's structured like a Western, not really a Western. Um, it's sort of, um, it's kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a strange uh, combination of, you know, Western elements and crime film, element, crime film elements. Um, but you know, honestly, great supporting cast, and uh, I, I kind of enjoyed it on a certain kind of weird, quasi noirish fusion level. Uh, then we also have Death Valley, really quickly from uh, 1982. This has a um, the only reason that this is really worth recommending is that it has Peter Billingsley in it, who uh, at the time had not yet made A Christmas Story. And Peter Billingsley now is partners with uh, Vince Vaughn, and they just signed some deal with Glenn Beck's company to make some kind of a movie or something. Yes, because yeah. uh, Vince Vaughn is a, uh, is a uh, well-known Hollywood conservative, and he uh, uh, teamed up with Beck. I, I think Vince Vaughn's hilarious. I do, too. I think everything is I think he's very smart, too. Uh, and then also, Sometimes a Great Nation. This is from Shout, as well. Uh, starring Paul Newman, Henry Fonda, and Lee Remick. I love all these old actors. This reminds me of how bad today's actors are by comparison. I mean, come on. Paul Newman, Henry Fonda, Lee Remick. Give it up. That's, that rocks, right? Yeah. Uh, this is the first film that Paul Newman <laughs> ever directed, actually. And uh, is it is it great? No, not at all. It's written uh, by the same novelist who did One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Ken Kesey. Or Ken Kesey. Which, how do you pronounce that? Uh, Star Wars. Yeah, whatever. <clears throat> well, anyway, uh, it's it's kind of a, a preachy movie. It's a little bit like what's the new Matt Damon thing? Oh, a Promised Land. Promised Land. It's a little bit like that. A little bit of a thing. Anyway, it's uh, you know there's a there's a timber community. There's a strike going on. A little organized labor thing. A little bit of an environmental message and all this kind of stuff. And which is kind of surprisingly uh, very much on the crest of all of that stuff in 1971. That's when all these message movies were really kind of first manifesting themselves in the wake of the 60s. But uh, you know what? It's uh, I I think it's a perfectly fine film. It's well acted and it's got that nice uh, movie star sheen to it from that very late studio period. I'm all about it. All right, Wade, let's move this along because uh, do, do, what, what are, we ta- are we talking about, that pile or that pile? Uh, you know what we got? Uh, we should, uh, we only have a few minutes left in the show. We got, we got video, we got video, we got letters, we got box box, we got, we got to roll it along. We got a lot. Roll it so along. Let's, we're going we're gonna to finish off with a little bit of, uh, of uh, guns and car exploitation stuff. The first one, and I'll let Mark handle these last two, which are really kind of entertaining. Um, oh, no, you got a, you got a couple others. you got to nail there. The, the, yeah, never mind. Okay, yes, so yes, I'll, I'll let you blow through all of that when, yes, when I'm done with this. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Monty Hellman's Tulane Blacktop is out in a Criterion Collection release, if you can believe it. Monty Hellman has never really gotten enough love from uh, the mainstream film community. Monty Hellman, of course, is just revered by a certain cast of... Uh, of movie nerds, but you know, legit film people still don't really see him as, uh, as somebody to be taken seriously, which is too bad. They almost give Roger Corman more respect than they give Monty Hellman. Anyway, Tulane Blacktop, come on, James Taylor, James Taylor acts. In James this Taylor, movie. he acts in this movie, along with Warren Oates, who's just always terrific, and uh, it's a drag racing movie for crying out loud. And they're the uh, the driver and the mechanic for this thing, '55 Chevy, but it's um. It's more than just a kind of more serious version of the, uh, the Cannonball Run, which is how some people have described it. It really is. It's a, it's a movie that's all kind of captures the zeitgeist of a time and a place and a sensibility, and it's really terrific. This is also made in 1971, and I remember 1971, and this movie just is a snapshot of that time like nobody's business. Two commentaries on here, uh, one with Monty Hellman and Allison Anders, who I just adore, not just because she's a UCLA grad, but, you know, she's a great filmmaker. Uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful commentary. And then the other one is with uh, screenwriter Rudy Wurlitzer and uh, author David N. Meyer, which is a little bit less interesting. bunch of interviews here, including with James Taylor and Chris Christopherson, who did the music. And um, it's just great. It's just really, really great. I, uh, I think the world of this movie. I, I do. And I'm so glad. It's a really terrific uh, Criterion uh, Blu-ray transfer. You can also get it in DVD. Um, it's restored just exactly the way that it needs to be. There was once a DVD special edition of this thing that came in a, in a tin. It was an Anchor Bay release. They did a number of limited re- editions of it. Um, I know a lot of people bought that at the time thinking this is going to be worth something. Get rid of it. it. It's not. It's not worth anything. You're you're limited. Uh, one of twenty thousand. Uh, it's going to be on. You might as well put that out for like a garage sale. It's not worth anything. Get rid of it. Pick up this Blu-ray. You'll be glad you did. 
Uh, two Go Nowhere releases from Universal. Um, one is a terrible film called Guns, Girls, and Gambling, which is what happens when you realize that your movie sucks, and if you can put as many like buzzword words into your title that maybe somebody will stop and rent it. Oh, it's got guns. I love guns. It's got girls. I love girls. It's got gambling. It's got, I love gambling. It's got all three. I'm going to rent Gun, Girls, and Gambling. Well, this is a total mishmash of uh, you know Tarantino-style violence and double crosses, and uh, you know it's just terrible. It's got a good cast, though. It's got... Um, Christian Slater and Dane Cook and Gary Oldman dressed as Elvis, which is just ridiculous. Chris Kattan's also in this, uh, so you know it's good because Chris Kattan's in it. By the way, Tony Cox is in this, who's the African-American uh, short person. And, by, and I don't know what to call him. Who knows? You know, digigods.com, you can complain. Um, and by the, the way... African-American short person. Exactly. So by the way, Tony Cox's greatest performance, Bad Santa. I don't care if it's, if it's December or not, go rent Bad Santa. Anyway, Guns, Girls, and uh, uh, Gambling's Terrible. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, recommend a film called Hit and Run, which went absolutely nowhere. Seriously? Uh, this yes. is good? Yes. It wow. is cute. Uh, yes. It is, uh, it, it's, it's, got, it's got good stuff in it. I had no idea. Yes. It is uh, co-directed by David Palmer and Dax Shepard, the actor. It stars Kristen Bell, Dax Shepard, Kristen Chenoweth, and Tom Arnold, who I always find entertaining. I thought this was just like a Dax Shepard home movie. That nope. He, and, and, you know, he and Kristen Bell are expecting a child. They are? Yeah. I, you know what? There's something about Kristen Bell where, like, she's very beautiful, but she gives off no, like, heat. Like, I don't want she's to. She's not America's sweetheart. She's not. She, does, she doesn't give up, give up a lot of warmth. Anyway, uh, I thought this film had it's very hit and miss, but it's a road trip movie and it's got a lot of action packed uh, laughs in it. And uh, I, I like it. Hit and Run is a cool little movie. Again, it's not uh, Gone with the Wind, but um, it's got a certain amount of charm. It's got a certain amount of goofiness. It's almost like um, it's got a little Smoking the Bandit in it. It's pretty entertaining. It's got some good cameos. And uh, again, Hit and Miss, not the greatest thing ever, but uh, for a movie that went nowhere, it deserved a little bit better. Uh, hit and Run. Wade. Now, also, as we blow through this, because uh, we have all sorts of other stuff to talk about in the few minutes we have left, we have uh, Why Stop Now, an annoying uh, comedy with uh, Jesse Eisenberg, who I do always find annoying, except for uh, Social Network, which I loved him in. It's one of those movies where it's like it's, it's based on a short film, and it has one of those high-concept premises that once you get past the high-concept premise, you realize that they're just tap-dancing till the end. There's this young kid. He's a piano prodigy. He's in college. He hates his mother because his mother is a drug addict. And the drug addict made this kid take care of his little sister for his mm, whole life. Yes. So the, the the college kid wants to drop his mother off in a, uh, in a in a rehab facility to finally clean up her life. Oh, However, the rehab facility will not take her unless she tests positive for drugs. There so they go. hit the road to go find her some drugs so she can then test positive and be admitted to a rehab facility. Craziness ensues. The only funny <laughs> thing in this movie is the drug dealer is played by Tracy Morgan who clearly doesn't care, but because he's Tracy Morgan, it's funny. Anyway, moving along, we have... Uh, I'm going fast, folks. This is um, Heavyweights. The Heavyweights is from... Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, 95. By the way, on the, on, it's funny because on the DVD box it says, it features a new digital restoration. Uh-huh. That's great. <laughs> like, to it's me, most... digital restoration is like, that's, that's why you buy Lawrence of Arabia. Boy, that needed to be restored. <laughs> anyway, the film is about... Uh, you know what? I, I have to say that um, I, I, I do find... Um, Ben Stiller funny in the right role. This is also an early uh, Judd Apatow co-written script, and he was also an EP on it. So this, if you like the Apatow thing, you might get some, some laughs out of it. But it's again, this is not vintage Apatow. He wouldn't come into his own until obviously later. This is 1995. And um, basically, it's a summer camp uh, that is for, uh, it's run by a fitness fanatic, and a bunch of fat kids have to get uh, thin. Boy, did I make that fast. Boy, you did. Not funny, by the way. Not funny. Not worth it. Plenty of other uh, uh, Ben Stiller stuff to rent, and plenty of other better Judd Apatow stuff to rent. Uh, we're going to blow through some listener mail, then do a Vox Box, and then wrap the show up. Uh, email from Chris. The research I've done, Paramount has no intentions of ever releasing the entire Friday the 13th movie series on Blu-ray. Uh, it's a guilty pleasure. I know it's cheesy, but due to poor sales apparently from the first three, now a couple of days ago I read that Warner has bought the series from Paramount. Is this true? Can we expect a box set or an, at least single releases? And I, I, I got to say, I have no idea. Um, the history of this thing on, on rights is, is kind of weird. Uh, Warner Brothers eventually puts everything out on Blu-ray, so I would say now that Warner Brothers has it, because the new line, I won't get into the rights history of this thing, It's but it's very, very crazy. It's, it's uh, you know, new line had the rights to some, and 
and uh, Paramount had the rights to the others. Anyway, uh, so it's all under the Warner umbrella now, and I, I would say probably sometime this year we can expect it uh, on Blu-ray. I would imagine tied in with something else. So, you know, Warner Brothers has a history of doing that. Uh, and then uh, Kyle Stevens writes us and says, The Star's original series, Spartacus, best show on TV. Any show that can have that much violence, that much sex, that much foul language, and still take a back seat to plot and script is brilliant. Uh, I contest none of the vulgarity is gratuitous. Establishes setting and character. It's amazing. I'm not going to argue with Kyle. He's uh, he's got taste. Uh, from Adam Ballard. Greetings, Marks and Wade. Sure, this has been asked a million times, but what is your viewing weekly viewing schedule like? Between reviewing DVDs and Blu-rays for the podcast, new films, reviews, and the upcoming award season, uh, it seems like you would have time for little else. Any insight? Thanks for all the great work and for the input on the Facebook page. Mark, what's your week like? Um, well, here's my insight. My insight, my insight is I'm a single man. <laughs> That's my insight. Uh, here, here, here's my insight. I'm a married man, but I, my wife is a, is a widow, especially on weeks when I, uh, I have to do radio. Unfortunately, I'm not doing radio for a little while now. It's, it's a nice respite, especially after award season, January, February, not a lot to see. But uh, there, uh, truly, there are radio weeks for me uh, are just oppressive. And it is, it literally is turn the TV on, sit there, and stare at it all day long. And I usually fall asleep watching something around 2 in the morning that I, I just can't keep my eyes open anymore. And then I'll wake up at 5 and try to watch the last half of it. You know, it just, it really is insane. And then I just sleep until noon on Saturday. It's horrible. Um, it's busy. I mean, some weeks are better than others. But, you know, it's busy. But, I, look, I could be stuck in a cubicle doing, running spreadsheets on, uh, you know, water main breakage rates so <laughs> yeah but you make more money if you did that <laughs> that's probably true uh eric altieri writes this and says uh can't remember if you talked about it on the show or not but i've been watching this on netflix and it's pretty great have you heard of it and what he's talking about is a series that was not sent to us on dvd it's the story of film an odyssey which uh we got some links to no Mark- i watched that on netflix did you watch the whole thing yeah, I, uh, I watched i watched a bunch of pieces of it did you get through the whole thing well no because i can't stand that guy's voice okay uh, here's the thing: the, the the information and the way and uh, the way it's constructed and the amount of uh, vintage footage he has, all that stuff is pretty great. But you've got to buy the voiceover because the guy who voices over it and the script, by the way, the narration script, it, it, it's really one of those love it or hate it sort of things. It's just I just I uh, for the first five minutes I'm like, is it going to be 13 hours of this guy talking like this? reading from this script because I'm going to kill yes. myself. Yes, it is. And it winds up... And, but the thing is that uh, it's too bad because otherwise it's fairly definitive as these things go because, I mean, it is good. I just can't stand him or the yeah. script. Yeah. Uh, Axel Peronio, long-time listener Axel, uh, writes... Axel, does anyone call you Noodle Ronio? Remember those, uh, those, uh, uh, no- those Noodle Ronio commercials where you just go, Noodle Ronio? No. No. Uh, he says, wishing you the best for 2013. Mark, may you find the love of your dreams, who may take the form of a beautiful moviegoer single French chef. We have oh, plenty. and I just made fun of him after he said <laughs> that nice thing. He says, we have plenty of them here in France. Uh, Wade, you may find the courage to watch the next Zack Snyder project. Tell us what you think of it. As for me, I'm building a new home with a brand new home theater in it. And I have a question for you, or maybe more of a thought to share. I've been wondering if Blu-ray would kill Dolby Digital as a high-end sound uh, codec. Uh, DTS and DTH, uh, DTS HD Master Audio has become an implicit reference on Blu-ray. Even tough Dolby True HD, or even, sorry, even though Dolby True HD provides the same quality, those tracks have become rare with any new title uh, with ev- any new title advertised. Think of the Transformer movie, for example. Looks like Dolby as a home theater codex is silently shifting to streaming HDTV and leaving physical media in general. Um, the uh, I, I don't think you ever should write off Dolby. Dolby is a, an enormously successful company. They have a lot of weight in uh, in the entertainment business. They, they, uh, they just bought the Oscar theater. They just bought the Oscar theater. And there's a whole new Dolby process that is being rolled out in movies. Um, Dolby is always going to be a player in any medium. So I wouldn't – they would – Dolby abdicating the, uh, the the packaged media format to DTS, we just – it's not even in their in their mindset. So never write out Dolby. Dolby will always come back with something bigger and better and more powerful. 
And then lastly, uh, Taryn Von Neeson says, I uh, just wanted to offer a counter-opinion to anyone obnoxious enough to write in and tell you what they uh, want you to talk about. You guys always suggest so many great movie titles for me to check out. Uh, this is the only movie re- review show where I also get ideas on what kinds of snacks I could make to enjoy the movies I watch. I've yeah. Already, I've already made my own homemade Pop-Tarts with jam instead I, I of I can't ganache. believe that. It's fantastic. Pot de creme. And now I'm eager to try my own version of a chocolate cherry scone. Uh, Wade trying Mark's latest creation is my favorite part of the show. It's your personalities that make this podcast such a pleasure to listen to, and I hope that you continue to do it your way. Uh, Taryn in Vancouver. And, and P.S., she says, I also like when you talk about Star Trek and was wondering uh, what you think about Star Trek Into Darkness, apparently being a remake slash reboot of Wrath of Khan, especially considering that Chris Pine is playing a young Kirk. Now, the- Hang on, Wade. Before we do okay. that, I'm doing this. I went on YouTube while you were reading that, and I looked up an old commercial for Noodle Roni. Here it is. Let's see if I can get this to... Be audible. Tastes as good as your mama makes. Forgive her. It's made with golden egg noodles plus a blend of Parmesan and Romano cheese. It's kept fresh and noodles. <laughs> You're out of your mind. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, that was the song Noodle Roni, a bit of old Italy. Wow. Do you remember that? No. You yeah. thought I was crazy when I when I, I sang you, that. I you were out of your mind. Noodle Roni, Parmesan, a bit of old Italy. Uh, Way. Really? Fine. Axel Peroni. Noodle Roni. Peronio. I know, but it, that doesn't yeah. rhyme with Noodle Roni. Anyway. In your face, Major, I got it. Is it a remake of Wrath of Khan? Is it a remake of uh, well, where, where, uh, where nobody seems before? Nobody seems to know. Uh, JJ is being incredibly, unbelievably secretive and coy. I mean, we're talking non-disclosure agreements. Is it a remake of Trouble with the Tribbles? <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't it be great if it were? It's actually a remake of, of, of his Star Trek. <laughs> it's a remake of the first one he did. Um <laughs> That would be nobody, awesome. nobody seems to know. I, I just know that the character's <laughs> name is John Harrison, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's name, and John yeah. Harrison sounds like it sounds like one one, one of those made up names yeah. that you're using to hide his real name because yeah. you don't want it to get out. Yeah, we, we don't know. Nobody knows. And f- yeah, the, the only person who knows who doesn't work for the production is the 41 year old dying of leukemia who J.J. screened the movie for. Did you hear this? No. J.J., so get this. J.J., and then we really have to go. But um, uh, J.J. gets this uh, tweet. I think it was a tweet. From the wife of a guy who is dying from leukemia. No BS. He is dying from leukemia, and his final wish is to see Star Trek Into Darkness. So this gets back to J.J., and J.J. presumably checks it out, and he decides that even though the movie's incomplete, and even though the guy may be disappointed because the movie's incomplete, he decided to show this dying 41-year-old leukemia patient Star Trek Into Darkness. Now, I don't know where it took place. J.J., thankfully, respectfully, uh, has been very silent about this. He hasn't talked about it. Not a lot of people know about this. It's kind of out there. But um, the, uh, the guy did see Star Trek Into Darkness as his final dying wish, and he said he was, quote, satisfied 110%. And love the movie, and so only he knows whether John Harrison is John Harrison or John Harrison is Khan or John Harrison is Gary Mitchell. Don't know. John Harrison, by the way, could be be Wade Major. Don't know. All right. Okay. Exactly. All right. Time now for the Vox Box. (gasps) Give it to us. Can I sing the song? Sing the song. (gasps) 2013's Vox Box. Hey, did you gods? I know you guys have been asking for a Vox Box for a while, so I figured I'd record one. Uh, I'm Billy Milby from Perry, Georgia. Uh, I'm actually doing that Muse Theater restoration. Um, anyway, so my question is about rental discs uh, and kind of the differences between them and their retail counterparts. Um, up until a couple weeks ago, I was okay with them because mostly they would just load them down with unskippable trailers or, or stuff like that. And that's Totally fine, because, you know, they want to make a few extra advertising dollars off of me, and I understand that. Um, but a couple weeks ago, I rented Moonrise Kingdom from Netflix. And, of course, you're probably saying I should have bought it anyway, so I get that. But I rented it, and there were no special features. Um, they were there, but when you clicked on them, it said, oh, you have to buy the retail disc. And, you know, that bothered me. But, you know, the movie was still the movie, so I was okay. Um, and then just a week ago, I got The Expendables 2 on Blu-ray, and um, that one was a little different. I have a full 7.1 surround sound and really like to utilize it, um, and that 
soundtrack is a 7.1 DTS MHD or whatever. And that was not what was on the rental disc. It was a 5.1 Dolby Digital lossy track. And I was very, very disappointed. Um, I was really looking forward to hearing it in 7.1. Uh, and to me, you know, when rental discs are actually worse than the retail product, then they're probably just damaging their image because a lot of people might not even realize that it is worse. Uh, anyway, there's a lot more I could argue on this, but I'll let you guys handle it. Thank you, Billy. Uh, I, I, the, you know, the issue differs from, from company to company, and some of them um, are more... Some of them are more inclined and more prone to do this. It is a uh, it's a problem with some of the Redbox releases, and obviously with some of the Netflix stuff. They all they all kind of approach the rental space in a slightly different way, which is to say that some of them figure, you know, what uh, we really don't want this to compete. If you want the the top end experience, we want you to think, okay, I've got to buy it. They don't want people thinking, well, if I, you know, it's a movie, I, you know, I could stream it, and I get the same sound quality, same audio quality, or I could get a DVD, or I could rent a Blu-ray, and I'll get the experience. They, they really do want you to get the sense that if you want the optimal experience, you've got to pony up the money and buy this. And so that's why they keep it sort of down for some of the other media. I don't know that it makes sense. I think Billy's assessment of it is is right. I think they do hurt themselves because there is an expectation that once a movie makes it out of the theaters and goes into the home space, that it should all be the same quality. I think we accept that streaming is uh, is going to be more convenience than quality, that you're making a certain compromise. But I think there is an expectation that discs, packaged media, all have, all are going to be really presenting you the same thing. All DVDs are alike and all Blu-rays are alike, and that's not, that's not true. And uh, if they really want to play that game, they should certainly make it, make it uh, known to people. But otherwise... Well, they want you to buy discs. They, yes. they make the money when you buy the disc. Absolutely. When you go to Redbox and pay $1 for a disc, yeah. you know how much money the studio is getting? They ain't getting what they get when you spend no. uh, nineteen ninety five to buy the disc. The profit margin on packaged media is huge. It's yes. huge. It's all gravy. They've already paid for the thing, usually, in, in theatrical. So that's the way they look at it. They want you to buy the the disc. So yeah, they probably should be more more forthcoming about that. But uh, you know, that's the reality, I guess, of their business model. It depends on the company. Ultimately, though, it's it's kind of hit and miss, and it's a little bit of the wild west. And by the way, when you go to Perry, Georgia, hit the Perry Antiques Trail. It's good stuff. Mm. Just saying. Nice. But, yes. Putting it out there. I like it. All right, Mark. Uh, I want to wrap up just with a few docs, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna save the rest of the stuff for next week. Uh, Samsara is out this week. If you haven't seen Samsara, you probably should. It is um, it is in the Koyaanisqatsi tradition. This is uh, from Ron Fricky, who was the DP who did all the Koyaanisqatsi and Pawakatsi and all the Katsi films. And Ron Fricky's been doing this starting with um, gosh, what's the what, Baraka? Really is the one that everybody kind of focuses on. Baraka is a big, bit of a big deal. And uh, he just takes his uh, his seventy millimeter or sixty five millimeter camera, and he runs around the world, and he shoots all kinds of cool time lapse and kind of culturally innovative stuff, and uh, and it looks cool. And Samsara was uh, it's not an IMAX film; it's sixty five millimeter. It was released in four K mostly, which is kind of the way these things are going in the future, and uh, it's out on Blu Ray now. And uh, the only thing that I find really compelling about this, I don't usually like these films. They get a little tiresome to me after about 40 minutes. But the one thing I did like, did you see Samsara, Mark? Indeed, I did. Um, the one thing I really do like about uh, watching this is that it, the way that it starts and the theme that continues throughout the movie, there's kind of a, a Buddhist motif here. And in a little bit, it's, you, you can extrapolate and go, well, it's, you know, it's a reincarnation or whatever. But Ron Frick at one point was attached to direct the big screen adaptation of Robert Bolt's unfilmed Buddha script. Do you know this history? At, I, all I know is this. Yeah. If it's Robert Bolt, you know it. Damn straight. Uh, and now Wade is about to bore us with well, a story no. about Robert, how Robert Bolt wrote something that never got made. Robert Bolt probably wrote a lot of stuff that never got made, but he left a, a, a biography of Buddha, a big screen epic biography of Buddha, which I've read. It's, it's amazing. It's got like references in it to uh, books of you know mythical creatures, see page, figure, number, right? He, I mean, he really researched the hell out of this. And um, it was originally going to be directed by Bertolucci. They had a falling out, he and the Hong Kong company that owned the script at the time. And Bertolucci went on to make Little Buddha with... Uh, 
little dutta, and you know, the, it never went anywhere. So the unfilmed Buddhist script at one point was supposed to be directed by Ron Fricky with Jason Scott Lee playing, you know, Prince Siddhartha, otherwise known as the Buddha. Never happened for whatever reason. Nobody wanted to get behind that movie, so it's it's a dead film, dead project for the for the time being. But you could see in some ways in Samsara what Ron Fricky's vision would have been for that film. And then we also got uh, a couple of others here. Uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, Three Men Go to War from PBS, and Putin's Kiss, which actually um, I have a lot of fondness for Putin's Kiss. Did you see this? I did not. You didn't? I just want to say Putin is an evil, evil man. And um, this film is a very personal documentary that gets into the essence of, uh, of just how evil he really is. That whole um, poisoning incident in London. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah, that almost happened to me. Really? And I'm not kidding, yes. Uh, Christy and I were actually in London at that time, having lunch on that street three doors down from the sushi restaurant at a Thai restaurant with a friend of mine who's a London filmmaker. We were there at that time. We were literally doors away. So I could have been polonium poisoned by Putin. But how do you feel? Now, be honest. Seriously. when we when, And that story broke right before we left London, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Really? Seriously. Like, if we had said, if I were a sushi fan and we had said, why don't we go for sushi? I literally could have rubbed up against somebody who had been poisoned by Putin with polonium, and I might not be here today. I, right now, I could be talking to a decomposing film critic. You could be. It's unbelievable. By the way, what do you think about uh, uh, Putin uh, uh, giving uh, uh, Gerard Depardieu his Russian passport? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> he's think, a Russian now. I, I don't think – I think it's all publicity stunt. I think Putin's just doing it to, uh, to make uh, the French president look bad, and I think he's doing a good job. So anyway. All right. There you go. There's the show, folks. That's it. See you next week.